we are talking, we started a series today called One Day, and we're going to continue this uh, through Easter. So on your way out, if you uh, want a wristband, you're seeing many of our Dream Teamers. It just says One Day on it, has TLC on the back. Those are yours for free as well. So you can take one of those and just remind yourself of what we're going to talk about today. Throughout the week, you're going to, it, each week is going to, same theme, but a little bit different story and a little bit different uh, way we're going to look at it. We believe that we were created on purpose for a purpose. God wants you to do something, and he's created you to be able to do it. But, you know, we live in a world where things aren't always what they seem. How many know that's true? I'm going to tell you a joke. Are you ready for a joke? You need a joke today. Yes, you do. All right. There's a nun and a fellow. They're out on the street. They're waiting on a bus. Let's just say they're waiting on a bus stop. And he turns to the nun. He says, listen, I'm trying to create a bucket list. I'm trying to get some things done. Check them off. One of those things is to kiss a nun. She says, I can't do that. He says, look, it's really important to me. I, I just need, you know, could you, I mean, and she, she looks and says, I, I don't know. She says, there'd have to be two stipulations. Number one, you'd have to be Catholic. And number two, you'd have to be single. He said, born and raised Catholic. He said, and I'm single. She's like, oh, all right. So she leans over and he gives her a, a peck and and uh, he starts laughing. She goes, what's so funny? He goes, I'm Baptist. <laughs> and I'm married. <laughs> and she starts laughing. And he goes, what's so funny? She said, my name's Kevin and I'm on my way to a costume party. <laughs> Things aren't always like they seem. <laughs> and some of you are like, oh. If I could show you this morning on how important one day could be to you. Everybody in here has had a one day. And what we're going to try to do in the next few weeks, and today included, is introduce you to the one person that can make that one day difference. But we want to talk about that. We've all had a one day experience. If I could show you that I could introduce you to someone that could change everything. Pastor Brett, I don't know. You don't, I'm, we're so deep in debt. We're so this, or I'm, I'm so addicted in this, or I can't stop this, or whatever that is, or these relationships are just nuts. But what if I could tell you that you could have a one day, that God could turn that. In 24 hours, things could be completely going in a different direction than they're going right now. Would you be interested? Hang with me for about 20, 25 minutes or so. And we'll get this thing out. And I'm telling you, you're going to leave here different than when you came in. So this is in your Bible, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> this is the New Living Translation. And I put this on here because the first two words of this particular scripture says, One day, turn to your neighbor and say that, one day. As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. The first two words of that are one day. And we all need that type of thing. We all need that one day, that experience. If you've had one day at one time or one another one day, I mean, those days that mark something in your life that you remember. I'm going to give you some examples. I remember exactly where I was the day 9-11 happened to you. I remember that one day. I remember standing in front of the television in our bedroom watching that plane crash into that tower. I remember telling Kim, that another plane just hit the tower and smoke billowing out. I remember that same time frame, Mallory telling me, Dad, I don't know if I want to go to school anymore because there was that fear of what if we're somewhere and something, some bad people want to do something like that. 
I remember where I was standing when we first got married in our 12 by 60 trailer when the shuttle blew up. You remember that? I remember telling my wife, I'm saying, babe, babe, it blew up. And she came running down the hall. She said, what? I said, it blew up. I remember when President Reagan was shot. Remember that? Some of you are in this room can say, I remember Kennedy. You know, it, those one days that just seemed to mark. Now, let, let's, let's jump from, I'm not just going to give you bad one days. Let's think about one days that really, that you remember that are good. I remember the day I got my driver's license. Remember those days? I pray for the county commissioners of this, this great city twice a month. And I'll walk by undoubtedly some kid that's just, he's just taking his test or he's getting ready to take his test. It's funny to see how they act before or after. If they've already passed, they're out there going, taking selfies or somebody's taking their picture or, or they're standing there. You know, that like almost looked like Vanna White. Hi, there you are. And then there's the people that are just walking in. And you can, kid walked in not long ago and the, you, you see the guy leading the way is the, uh, is the instructor. And he's just walking to the room and the kid's like this. I'm already thinking he failed. <laughs> Poor kid, he's, he failed. But those one days when you got your driver's license, the day you got married, I remember still marked in my life and etched in my mind and in my heart the day that I watched Kim turn that altar coming down with her dad leading, you know, right beside her, standing right there. I remember how she looked. I remember those days. I remember the day each of my kids were born. I remember, you know, the one day where we had the stillborn baby and the next baby we had was Mallory. I remember the contrast of how good those days were. I remember then asking God, would you give me another son? And I remember the day that Zach was born and in the doctor's uh, hospital there in the room where he was born, getting on my knees and throwing my hands in the air in front of the nurses and all of whoever was in there thanking God, because I promised if you give me another son, I will praise you. I remember how that felt on those wonderful days or the day at Christmas, you know, and you gave your kids the things that you were believing God for. You saw them happy or maybe the days that they've got married. The day the Browns won the Super Bowl. No, wait a minute. That's a dream. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. At any rate, they stand out from the norm. They were... You know, they stand out from the usual days, the days that are just everyday, mundane, you know, time to make the donuts. How many have your body clock? You don't even need your alarm. Your, your body just wakes up. Anybody besides me, my body's just like, time to get up. I don't even have to. I always wake up to see the alarm, and I don't even set the alarm. Now you have your cell phones. Because if, you know, before in the day, if the electric went off, you could always say, well, the electric went off. Didn't hear the alarm. Sorry, I'm late. You don't have that excuse if you have a cell phone. You don't even have that excuse if the time changes and you have a cell phone because it automatically changes. But those were the days, the one day. In Scripture, when you see that phrase one day, that usually means something big. Something's about to happen. Something that is remembering worth, you know, that you're going to, wow, okay, that's a good thing. It's a headliner day. Something or somebody, it's going to be a big deal. What we're going to talk about today is Peter's one day. I particularly like Peter. He's one of my favorite disciples. But this is, you know, his name was Simon at this time, and he owned a fishing uh, company and a, a business that was in Bethsaida near the Sea of Galilee. So on this day, he went, he's a fisherman, 
And he's, now listen, now Simon, he's going to be one of the 12 that were picked. And then out of the 12, he's going to be one of the three that Jesus is going to, you know, that's going to be one of his three homies. Word. My kids love it when I do that. They really hate it when I do that. Dad, you are just so white. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I told him I could rap. Uh, I can't rap. All right. So you got Peter, James, and John. <laughs> I've lost you. <laughs> Come back to me. You got Peter, James, and John. Peter was in the inner circle. He, he had a huge role in the early church. You all know he played a big role in the day of Pentecost. He preached with boldness and, and 3,000 people, you know, came to know the Lord. The church grew by leaps and bounds, you know, because Peter well, had his one day. He, he found Jesus and Jesus changed him. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Peter went on. You can read about him in the book of Acts. And then he wrote two books in the Bible, first and second Peter. But he wasn't perfect. Did you know that none of us are perfect? Our halos don't light up the room. We all have issues. Everyone, me too, everybody's got issues that we need to give to God and God help us. And we all put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time. Here's our first point this morning. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So many times we don't think we meet the criteria Sometimes we won't even put in our application someplace. Oh, they won't hire me. You might be surprised. I'm telling you, I would rather hire someone that had some gumption, that had some determination and a good work ethic, and train them with a good heart than someone that thought they knew it all and didn't need any help. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. We so many times fight ourselves. We fight ourselves in our own mind. The battles between our two ears. We, we tell ourselves because we know ourselves better than anybody, don't we? We know what we think. We know what we've done. And sometimes we grade ourselves worse than anything. We have a hard time forgiving ourselves. God could forgive you, but could you forgive you? Remember, Simon got his name changed by Jesus. Jesus said, from now on, I'm going to call you Peter which means rock. Could you imagine? Peter, you are now rock. You know how Peter would answer that? Yo, absolutely. <laughs> Just helping you along, okay? Some of you are still stuck on the Browns and the Super Bowl thing. I don't know. <laughs> Just trying to get you to believe with me. You see, Peter was far from perfect. Peter was impetuous. He, he would say things, and he would, I mean, hey, if all of these guys fall away, not me. You know, Peter had a mouth. But Peter still was so used by God. He was not who we saw later, more mature in, in his writings. He was temperamental. Things poked him. You like being poked? I hate being poked. There's certain things... My life, she, my wife likes to laugh, but she doesn't like to be tickled. She does not like, I could try to tickle, don't tickle me! Don't you, don't, don't, don't tickle me! She doesn't like to be tickled. She doesn't like to be poked. I'll go come up beside her. This is a true story. We were in Walmart. You know, the place where America shops. And sometimes they evidently don't look in the mirror when they shop there. They evidently said, oh, this is good. And you're like, really? 
I had my boys one time. I'm like, guys, just keep looking this way. And my son looked at me and he goes, dad, that's just wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, I would go up behind. I'd just be an ornery. I, have, I, I can relate to my son-in-law. My son-in-law can relate to me. So I'd go up to people I don't even know. My wife's shopping. And there'd be somebody beside her. And I'd go up and go, excuse me. Then I'd go over here and look like I'm looking or shopping at something. And she'd turn around. The person I said, excuse me, to, they'd turn around and look at each other. And, and Kim would be going. <laughs> and then she'd go, Brett. So I did that two or three times. And I thought it was great fun at her expense. So we were at another place in Walmart. And she came up and goosed me. I jumped, you know, and there was a whole bunch of people. And everybody turned around and looked at me. And she had goosed me and then went clear around the rack and was going. <laughs> so she got me back. She might be little, but she knows what to do. But Peter was much like us. He was just very temperamental. He was a fisherman. He was rough. He was rugged. You know, he... Jesus, there's, and we're going to read scripture in a second where Jesus was just looking at him. And, you know, Jesus would have those eyes that could just look at your soul. Because, I mean, think about it. He's God in the flesh. And Peter's going to say, quit looking at me. I mean, Peter could say, hey, what are you looking at? You know, Peter could be rough like that. But something about Peter was wanting something more. Am I looking at some people that want something more? I mean, are you tired of kind of just having the life just mundane? What if we could have a one day today? Everybody say one day. Well, say it like you mean it. Oh, that's much better. Here's what you got. Everybody say one day. One day. All right. Have you ever said this? Man, I didn't see that coming. Sometimes we, we get in a place where we're just, oh, I didn't see. I mean, it could be in a good way. We could be just saying, okay, I, I'm not looking at what is in it for me. I'm just looking at, God, this is awesome. Because I'm sick of how, you know, my life has been. I want to go to what you're saying, God. I want to do whatever you're telling me. I'm looking at a room full of one day people. You've had one day. One day when you remember something changed in your life. One day when God did something. One day when you should have had this happen and you should have had that happen. There's been a one day. I got to talk to my son the other day and I, it, he fell from a 25 foot rock wall all the way down. Boom, 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 boom. Broke his femur bone in his leg and his arm. Had head injuries and was just bleeding. And Mallory was one of the first to get to him and just began to pray over him and all of that. Well, what I'm telling you is because he had had an encounter with Jesus when he got to the ER, he had all of the nurses and the doctors almost in tears because of how he responded. They were going to cut off. He had a Batman shirt on or something like they were going to cut it off. And he's like, I really appreciate what you're doing, but is there any way? to save my shirt <laughs> i mean we came in there and this nurse walks out and she goes oh my gosh he's wonderful what did you do i'm just like we didn't do it he had had a one day with god many of you are sitting here today and saying that was me i should have not been here or this could have happened or or whatever you know but i had that one day experience one day could change everything. We've got that. We've got people that, are, you know, are having those or they're messed up or they're feeling like I've been this. I've been that. I'm I'm an addict. I'm depressed. I, you know, I'm a controller. I'm this or whatever that is. 
I'm an outcast. Because in our own eyes, sometimes we see ourselves just like the Israelites. We were like grasshoppers in our sight and theirs. You can't get into that promised land because you need a one-day experience because your mind is focused on your view. And your view is tainted. The power of one day. Let's look at Peter's one day. Luke chapter 5. Look at verses 1 through 7. It says, one day as Peter was preaching on the, or excuse me, I'm also about Peter as Peter was preaching. I was lucky I didn't call him Tarzan. One day, that was funny, by the way. (laughs) One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Can I ask you, let's stop. Who noticed the boats? What does the scripture say? Jesus noticed the boats. Just wanted you to know. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, who owns the boat? Okay. To push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deep or it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners to the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now let me just say this, and I I want you to hear what I'm trying to say. Because if you can catch this kingdom principle, it'll change. And your life will be, you're going to have a one day experience. One days happen when people let go of self-will and surrender to God's will, and listen to his direction and guidance. You need to understand what's going on here. Jesus notices two boats. He notices, he gets in the boat that's Simon's. Simon is the owner of the boat, and he says, can I use your boat? Simon says, okay. The moment that Simon says yes, Simon's business, Peter's business, now becomes under the jurisdiction, it changed kingdoms under God's kingdom. Can you see that with me? This is what you have to understand. God comes in. You have authority to let Jesus in or not. Okay? So when Peter says yes, now he's putting his business in realm with the kingdom. He's now, now God has legal access. See, it works the same in giving. It works in tithing. When we give... We now give Jesus legal access to step in on our finances because we have let him in our boat, so to speak. So that's what's going on right now. So Jesus is in his boat and he understands how things work. Doesn't that make sense since God's the creator of everything? Jesus is smart and he says, push me out. So he pushes out. Have you ever been on shore and you can hear everything everybody's saying in the boat? Because sound travels across the water like that. So Jesus is like, I've got a natural megaphone right here. Push me out. Let me teach these people. So that's what happens. Then he tells Simon, he says, look, I want you to go fishing again. And Simon says, Master, we fished all night. Didn't catch anything. But if you say so. I want you to understand, it doesn't have to move forward if Simon or Peter would have changed and said something different. The story would read much different than it reads. But Peter is helping create his one day. 
And this is what I want you to understand. Because some of you are right here saying, I've been waiting on God. I've been waiting. Can I tell you, my friend, and I love you, but God is waiting on you. There is something, something inside or something that you just won't throw over that boat. You want to hang on to it for whatever reason, but you want a one-day experience with God. And he's willing to give it to you, but you have to be willing to give that to him. Peter could have said, nothing doing. Not going to happen today, pops. I'm tired. I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. You build the boats. I'll fish out of them, okay? Peter doesn't say that. You have the power of choice. You can get the plan from God, or you can drop the plan from God. I have people ask me this. What if I dropped it? Can I ever get it again? Sometimes opportunities are just lost at that time. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you won't get another opportunity, but that same, the way that would have happened that time might be lost. But God will still give you another chance. Turn to your neighbor and say, I still got a chance. He's still going to give you another chance because he loves you. You're still going to have another opportunity to choose a plan that God's going to drop. You can still have a one day. Here's the second point. So I need you to hear me. I need you to look this way. Jesus wants to use your boat. He wants to use your boat. He wants to use you. Your boat means your ministry, your life, the things that God has called you to do. Some of you are so good at what you do. I can't do what you do. You do it better. You know that song, nobody does it better. Makes me feel sad for the rest. Nobody does it half as good as you. Baby, you're the best. What I'm telling you is God wants to use your boat, your giftings, your stuff, your things, your influence. But you got to be willing. Some of us, we disqualify ourselves because you don't want me, God. You know how I've been. You know my past. Aren't you glad he forgives that? Sometimes I'm telling you, we're trying to remind God of the past he's already forgotten. And he just wants to say, would you be quiet? Before the miracle ever happened, he had to use Peter's boat. Before those fish would come for Peter, he had to use his boat. Peter had to hear what Jesus said and agree to it. Are you catching what I'm trying to give you today? God is trying to get to you. He wants to use your boat. He wants to give you a one day. The business changed kingdoms. Jesus now can do what he needs to do. He can multiply fish. Can I just say this? James and John, they weren't even in Peter's boat, and they brought their boat over. Why? Peter called out to them, same principle here, hey, hey, get over here. We got fish are come on they come over and now they get all the fish and their boat starts to sink did they do anything all they did was hear peter yell and come over and help because they're in business with peter but because now peter's in business with god one day encounter with god you'll never be the same you won't be the same when you encounter god you won't be the way he found you or the way you found him. Let's say that. Jesus cares. He cared about Peter. There's no conversation that's recorded in scripture where Jesus said to Peter something like this. Hey, you know, Peter, you let me use your boat. 
I'll make it worth your while. There's nothing like that going on. There's no preliminary, hey, listen, we go into business together, we split it 50-50. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing like that going on. This is all about trust. This is all about integrity. This is all about something bigger than you. God's got plans for something bigger than you, for you, but you're going to have to trust him. There's going to be something that you've been holding on that he's going to say, would you throw it? I've done it all night. God, nothing. I mean, you know how many times I've wanted to be healed. You know how many times I've needed this to happen. You know how many times I've prayed for this. And Jesus might be saying to you today, just one more. Do you trust me? What Jesus is trying to say is, can I use your life? Peter, I want you to go fishing for people. It's going to take faith. It's going to take trust. I need you. Can I, can I use your life? Can I use the ministry that you have? Can you bless other people for my kingdom? Can I use you for that? See, that's where it starts. No strings attached. God, this is yours. You can have it. Know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. John 10.10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, this is Jesus saying, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. If you have stealing, destruction, killing going on in, in your life or... God's not doing that. I tell people all the time and they'll say, I I don't know what God's trying to teach me. If it's bad, he's not doing that. God is not a bad God. He's a good God. The enemy is doing that and is blinding you. Luke 5, 8 through 11 says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. What they found out is this. Jesus loves sinners. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to clean up. See, here's the lie of the enemy. I got to clean my life up. I'm going to clean my life up and then I'm coming to church and we'll get right with God. The enemy, if he can keep, he'll do that all day long. Because you will never feel that you're right enough or good enough for God. Because man, he's God. And we know how that works. Here's what the truth is. You give your life to God and he'll clean you up. And then the things that you used to do. Now, listen. This is true. You just help me with this. When you, if you had a one day with Jesus and God changed your life in that one day and you go back six months and try to watch a movie that you watched before you met that one day with Jesus. I doesn't mean it's a terrible movie, but I'm just saying there's going to be things all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, ooh, I like, I, I don't remember seeing that or I don't know if I like that. Can, can I get a witness? I know that sounds like Christianese. I'm just saying, how many understand what I'm saying? You know why? Because he takes you from glory to glory. He takes you from stuff. He starts stripping things away. He's so good at it, you don't even know. You're starting getting, you know, better at being who God wants you to be, and you almost don't realize it. Now listen, flip side of that coin 
is the enemy's good at the other thing too. Oh, he's subtle. And he'll try to worm his way in there. And sometimes you'll just be gradually pulled away and you don't even know. So you got to be aware. You got to understand that God wants you to have a one day so that he can use your life to further the kingdom of God. When people find out, now this is what Peter and those guys, they were like, if I can, I can't be hip like my kids, but I'll try. Here I come. <laughs> no. <laughs> but if he's just be like, they're like, dude, we've never caught these kind of, I mean, look at the fish. I mean, the boat is sinking. You know why they're amazed? Because that is not natural for that to happen the way it happened. So it is, it made them go, we did not do this. This is the difference, and this is what I want you to see. When you work, God rests. When you rest, God works. When you say, God, you can have that. He starts working. He starts doing those things that you're believing him for. All of those things start happening because you can't do them on your own. You have to give that to God. You have to be like Peter and say, do you know how many years I've prayed about this? Do you know how long this has been? You know what? Jesus never even recognizes what Peter's whining about. He doesn't say, I know, Peter, I know. What do you think makes you feel that way? He's not doing anything like that. He doesn't even give him, he just... He's just staring at him, I guess. And Peter just like, okay, okay, because you say, I'll do it again. And that's when it happens. You must understand, you're about to have a one day, because some of you in here need to, you need to hear what I'm telling you today. Whatever it is, hurtful, painful, relationship, addiction, I don't know. But it's about to change. Things are about to change. Notice is about to be served, and you're about to have the answer. Don't we live in a place that needs answers? And then when, now listen to me. I want everybody looking at me. This is how this is going to happen, because when people see the difference in you that are around you every day, they'll be like James and John and Peter. Oh my gosh. How did that happen? They'll say, this could not have happened by just you. You've been doing this all. What happened? And I'm telling you, what happened is the one-day experience. Because you had a one-day encounter and said, God, I don't know what this is, but I can't deal with this anymore. Get this monkey off my back. But you have the authority to get it off. I'm telling you, people tell me all the time, I'm, I'm just waiting on God, brother. Brad. Just waiting on God. No, you're not. God is waiting on you. You have the authority. That's why Peter had to say, get in my boat. You know what would happen next time? Peter would be like, come on. come, on. Hey, got your seat. Got your pole too. You like fish and chips? Come on, let's go. I mean, he'd be like, wouldn't you? Hey, come on, let's do this. Have yourself ready to say yes to Jesus. Brett, that's going to be painful. It might be. But boy, the blessing will sure be better than the pain you've had. Do you want to keep doing the pain or do you want to do the blessing? 
Here's our third thought, and we'll be finished. <clears throat> I feel like Clint Eastwood saying this one. Go ahead, make my day. When you have a one day, your every day is about getting somebody else to have a one day. That's what this is about. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Peter was never the same so much that he would just leave what he's done for a living and just say, out of two words, follow me. I'm in. That's pretty powerful. Why would he do that? Because he had a one-day experience that would change his life. You see, that's why testimonies are amazing, because people can fight whatever, but if you have a testimony, people can say, I don't believe that. I don't care whether you believe it or not. This is what happened to me. You know that it's true. That's the power of a one day. We are all human. You know, Peter, he doesn't do things for self-gain. Peter could have said, hey, Jesus, you know, what do you come down to the dock, you know, and we, we get together and you do that fish thing you do? 50-50, what do you say? We make all kinds of money, make people happy. Peter doesn't do any of that because this isn't about, you see, the cool thing about God, it goes different than the world. It kind of goes against, it's like petting a cat backwards. It goes against the grain. The world is into disunity, and God is into unity. God is into, let me help you. Let me help those that can't help themselves. I want to use you to do that. I want all of us to get together. Do you know that this church, in just in the last few weeks, have donated over 6,000 pounds worth of food to people that needed food? 6,000 pounds. Give yourself a hand for that. That's a lot of food. Because you're making somebody's one day. Can I say this? There's people that don't really care what you say because they can't get their need met. That's why Jesus, he started feeding people and doing what he needed to do because now they're willing to listen. We've done all this wrong, my friends. I got, I got minister friends that have said, you should charge for this, you should charge. We don't charge for any of that stuff. We don't want to charge for it. We want it to be free because we want you to have a one day. We want you to say, you know what, there's a power. When I meet God, God does what God does, and I'm into that because he's changed my life. He took Peter and, and took him from here and put him over here, and now we know Peter in this incredible way. He helped bring the church into existence. Jesus told Peter, said, now that you fish for fish, let's go fish for people. We live in a selfish world. God is not selfish. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is the author of giving. He gave the most incredible sacrifice of all so that we could have a one day. And we're building up to what would be Jesus's one day where Jesus finally says, you know what? Not what I want, but what you want, dad. So before I could ever do anything, Jesus was thinking of me. He's looking for people that are running from him. He's looking for people that are saying, I'm tired of church, I'm tired of religion. This has never been about church or religion. If we do this right, this is about relationship. This is about just, you know what, I just want to be in contact with you. I just want to, when you cry, I want to cry. When you laugh, I want to laugh. If you have a need, I want to help. That's all Jesus is trying to say. I'm here, I love you. And man has put all of these other things. 
There are people that you work with that are outcasts. Maybe you feel like you're one. People that are hurting. People that you go to school with if you're a teenager or if you go to college. People you live next door to. People down the street. Would you be with the rest of us and say, let's, let's help find a one day. Let's see if we could be somebody's one day. As my wife, well, well the keyboard was over here, so you have to go over here. <laughs> I want you to, to say to yourself, what can I do? If you're like me, I can remember times that, like I said, I can remember bad one days. I really choose to remember good one days. I mean, I can remember the bad ones, but I remember the good ones. I remember the times that I felt like, Lord, I don't want this feeling to end. I remember times of laughing so hard that my sides hurt and I just thought how good life was. There are great days ahead of you. I need you to listen to me. Some of you have been hurting for a long time. But would you let him in your boat? Would you let him get in? And if he asks you, would you throw that over? You could be like Peter and like I would be like Peter, I'm sure. But Jesus, do you know how many times I've been to the altar? Do you know how many times I've prayed at home? Do you know how many times I've prayed in my car? Do you know how many times I... You know? And he says nothing. He just looks at you with those eyes. He says, it's going to be okay. One day, I was a freshman. This is back in the day when we were at the freshman building, when everybody after eighth grade went to that building. Anybody remember that? And now then they put them all together. But I remember going to the freshman building. And I had a friend, and his name was Bill. This is a true story. Bill was kind of big and bulky, and he got made fun of a lot. And I was a jock. But I liked Bill, and so I I made friends with Bill, and I would eat lunch with Bill, and people would come by, and they'd pick on Bill, and then sometimes they'd start to pick on me, and I'd tell them to back off, and they'd back off, and Bill would, Bill's a big guy, I wouldn't want to pick on Bill, I mean, he's one of those guys kind of like, if he ever decided he was going to have a one day and a bad day, I don't want to be there for that day, but I remember going to school, and Bill wasn't there. And it came across the intercom that we had a moment of silence. And I don't know if they even do this in school anymore, but everybody prayed because Bill had passed away that night. Passed away in his sleep. I don't exactly know what happened or why. And I went to my mother, and he was down at uh, Gunder Funeral Home, down, I think it's down the street. Still remember this. I've never met his mom. I never met anybody in his family. All I knew was Bill. And I asked my mom, would you, would you take me? She said, son, it's going to be hard. I said, I got to go. And I walked into that funeral home, and I was a freshman. I don't know what the age of freshman is. But I go in. 
I looked to my left, and I can still, to this day, I can, I can see Bill laying in the casket. There's a lot of family, kids from school. And I didn't know what I was going to do. My mom was behind me. Thank God for godly mothers. She just let me go. It's not like I was a kid, you know. Again, I was a freshman, but it was kind of my first... And I, my, my, I remember my eyes scanning the room, and there was a, a lady that looked about my mother's age, and she locked eyes with me. And she came walking up to me, and she put her arms up like this, and I remember standing there because I didn't know who she was, and she looked at me, and she, she said, you must be Brett. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, Bill told me so much about you. Come here, honey. And I ran into her arms. She probably hugged me for, seemed like, five minutes or something and cried, and I cried. And my mom came up and, you know, touched my shoulder and all that stuff. Why, are you, why am I telling you? I don't know if Bill ever knew Jesus at that point. I really don't know how much I knew Jesus, to be really honest with you. But I'll never forget. Listen to what I'm telling you. Jesus wants to get in your boat. He wants to use your life to be kind to someone. To show them love when maybe nobody else is doing it. To show them no judgment. Just love. You know, when you love somebody, it doesn't mean you agree with everything they do doesn't mean you agree with how they live. It just means that you love them. That's what it means. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Today, I'm asking you. The prayer team is coming and...